is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santia Jackson Show. Getting just a little bit of an echo, but we're going to work that out. Me and the board operator are working it out today. Just love my board operator. You are a... <laughs> love it, everybody. Hey, Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. Yes, going on. Did you see the time? Yes, the rest. The problems are still with us. The challenges are still with us. And we've got a lot going on. There's a lot that we're going to be talking about today. Of course, we'll be talking about wages with Dr. Max Wolf in the next hour uh, because there are so many jobs available, but people are not taking them. I'm going to be talking with the owner of Pearl's, the famous Pearl's restaurant here in Chicago, um, next week about that. He said, look, I'm, business is going great for me, but I can't get any service in here. And I don't know if so Ooh, got a lot to talk about today, um, but that'll be next week. But right now we'll be talking about, uh, obviously, Memphis and uh, the service uh, for Tyree Nichols. Of course, the vice president was there with the Gave a brilliant sermon, uh, eulogizing um, the life and legacy of Tyree Nichols, tying him to so many people, sadly, who have come before him. Killed by the police traffic stops and other things for which you should not be executed. Uh, but we've got to talk about the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act uh, and these law and order candidates. We have a political campaign here. We've got the mayoral race that is on February 28th. Everybody can vote early, like right now, right away, so go on and do that. Um, and you've got two of the most prominent candidates who have been pushing for law and order, who have been embraced by the FOP, uh, the police union here. What about that? How do you run as a law and order candidate in this particular context with this backdrop? I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. I am Santita Jackson coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. It's a joy to be with you all today. Today, today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. I want you to meet my morning stars, Barbara Bacon, out there in Oak Park, Mark Stevens in D.C., and Carol Stockton out there in Beverly Hills, and Miss Robinson Cuckoo we born love, sending you much love, Jewel up there in New York, sending you so much love today, D-Ray, Shirley from beautiful Philadelphia, wow, you all are all over the place, Eric there in Los Angeles. Uh, Joyce, Robert, I'm sending you much love, much, 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 much love today. Eric, how you doing, Ty? And uh, meet us on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel as well, and Santita Jackson and Friends on Facebook. And please, everybody, join me on Twitter, at Santita J, at Santita J. So let's get right to it. We've got a few of these headlines that we're going to get to, but in the meantime... I want you to call me at 773 763 9278 773 763 WCPT. And let's talk. Miss Wanda down there in North Carolina, send you much love. Please give our beloved Mr. Corey all of my love and our love today. 
uh, call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. Should you be running as a law and order candidate? How do you do that? After watching these videos, and now we find that there are up to 20 hours of footage relating to Tyree Nichols beating that have not been released. 20 hours? Ooh, I wonder what's on that, what's in that footage, what's on it, what we're going to see. Well, we may or may not see it, I don't know. And, um, and what's going to happen with uh, Preston Hemphill, uh, the young white police officer who uh, who is really part of the initial stop? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Let's talk about everything that we have been seeing over the past few days. 773 763 WCPT. In Chicago, we are going to have a high of 30 degrees, partly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 12 degrees, partly cloudy. In the NBA, 119 Timberwolves are triumphant over the Warriors. The Warriors, 114. The Hornets will be playing Chicago tonight. Both of the Chicago and Minneapolis teams work had the night off, at least in hockey. And so I want to know what your thoughts are today, everybody. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278-773-763 WCPT. I want to know what your thoughts are with respect to justice in policing. What do you think about that? Will we make, will we now gain some traction on that? Or will, you know, I mean, now that, uh, now that Tyree has been buried, will we just continue to go on? Will there just be a settlement and we just keep on going? I mean, because, you know, we do that. And I'm just wondering if, just where are we going to go with this? Call me at 773-763-9278. Happy Groundhog Day, everybody. Happy Groundhog Day. Get it? Okay. And, of course, it is Black History Month, which is something that mm, the Florida governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, is trying to cancel at least as it relates to AP classes, AP classes, these advanced placement classes that you take in high school for college credits. One less, one less uh, set of money that you have to set aside if you do well, get a three, four, or five, at least back in my day, um, on the AP exam, that's a college credit. Well, what's going to happen, everybody? What's going to happen? Treacherous and wintry conditions due to freezing rain, sleet, and ice are wreaking havoc across the south. Texas has been bearing the brunt of a dangerous ice storm. And of course, we're looking at power outages from coast to coast. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is signaling optimism that both he and President Joe Biden can reach consensus on the nation's debt limit long before, as he put it, the U.S. reaches default. Quote, he said, I think that at the end of the day, we can find common ground. Close quote. That is good news. Amid high tensions in Israel and the Palestinian territories, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told CNN this week that any measurable progress toward a long-term peace agreement is unlikely anytime soon. He made it clear that while he's, quote, open to negotiations, close quote, with the Palestinians and is willing to cooperate with them on security matters, not much else will move. I heard Jake Tapper ask, will they be able to vote? And he kind of went past that. Hmm. Can you really be free if you don't have the vote? Please, everybody, get registered to vote and vote in this mayoral election here in Chicago. You can vote early. That has already started. It started last Thursday. In the meantime, we have got Pastor Darius Brooks, this wonderful, wonderful pastor of people, been feeding people, not just with his music, 
of feeding people from the Grace Central Church in Westchester, Illinois. When can we get to uh, get to your church? When when are those food lines open? And then, of course, right after that, give us the good news, Pastor Brooks. Oh, Pastor Brooks, are you there? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, okay. yes, no. Couldn't hear you then, but very quickly, when can we get um, get in get in the line to get food at your church? And then, of course, give us the good news. Okay. Good morning, Cynthia. Every Tuesday from 5 till 7 is open to the public, and on the Wednesdays from noon to uh, 2 is for the seniors. We don't like them out at night. It's Great Central Church, greatcentral.net, one of two sixteen South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. Just Google my name if you forget and say there's books, and all of that information is on there as well. Every Tuesday from 5 till 7, and every Wednesday from noon till 2 for the seniors. Cynthia, I'm excited about reading and studying and writing dividing God's truth for our for our lives. I was saying with a friend of mine yesterday that if God is going to be our source, if we are believers, this is what we do. This is what we do. And everything we need is at a word of God from love stories to murders. Even in a crazy world, God sends a message out of a mess age. But you got to want it. You got to desire it. Isaiah 26, 1, 1 and 4. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Please talk with me. God will appoint salvation for the walls and bulwarks. That means a support system, people of God. Open the gates that the righteous nation or the mature people, in my word, which keeps the truth, may enter in. This is a certain group of kind of people. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Watch this. Because we trusted you. Watch this. And then it says, for trust in the Lord forever. Now, I sent to you the great central. I share with them whenever you see God, the Lord Jesus. He's talking about his word and how you really get into it to study it, to rightly divide it so you can understand this language. Like love means respect, mourn means manage. So there's a language that God has that you got to get into his word to understand it because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So you got to live all you can, but please leave the mysteriousness of God, his word, in your desires. It'll be the best of the best because we operate in the natural. You do and I do, but wonderfully, God's divine plan is a spiritual perspective. And if he's my authority, if he's my authority, Santita, and if he's your authority, and he becomes our authority, this becomes clear as we walk as individually together that our authority becomes one mind, one word, one direction in communicating his word to and with each other first. Uh, the topic that I had to use is my resolution will always be his solution. My resolution will always be solution. I was told Grace Central on Sunday, everything you need is in the word of God, from love stories to murders, and to teach how to love your wife, and to teach you where you're not doing so well. It'll teach you where you're making wrong decisions. That's why you're doing that. It'll teach you that you make a right decision. Stay there. As a believer, this is how we define our lives. The life he has created in us for us through him. I was driving the other day, and God gave me the revelation about being in the world and the earth. The word of God says the earth is the Lord's. Be in the world, but not of the world. Those are two places. That's why the word says be in the world, but not of the world. The earth, God created. But however, in the earth is how we want to create. Watch this, Santita, a godly world within the earth. 
which means in the earth, those who operate in the word of God and the spirit of God watch this wonderfully and uniquely create a different kind of world within this world. Santi, that's why you and I are always friends, because we see things like we understand God's language. Santi, there's some people in my life that I like that we don't see things alike. So I'm supposed to be hanging with Santi in the earth, God. <laughs> So first, there's a personal covenant in how you use God's word in your life. And a personal covenant is how you use God's word every day, getting out of the world by creating my own world, Santita and I, in a world where over there I don't want to be. Uh, with, with discipline, accountability, responsibility, and using God's word direction, I'm going to close. Because it's not even the wrong that's in the world, Santita. It's in our humanness. And Romans 7, 28 721 says, I find then the law that every time I desire to do good, evil is always present. Santita, you just said this out of your mouth. You said at the end of the day, we have to find common ground. I don't know how you knew this was the method today, but it's so good. Here's where I close. God doesn't test us so he can find out about us. God tests us so we can find out about ourselves. He creates like mind, like friends, like partners, like objectives, like worshipers, like believers, like gold-minded people. And if you're going to do it like-minded, you got to even do that wrong right. God's purpose is that the earth will be protected and stay the same until he comes. So what's happening in the world? How do you make sense out of what's going on with you in the world? Want to avoid pitfalls? Want to have peace and keep it? The believer is to create a God definition of support and protection. And there you become strong with the word of God. My resolution will always be his solution. Pastor Darius Brooks, everybody, not only can you go see him and hear his magnificent preaching at Grace Central in Westchester, Illinois, you can get food there on Tuesdays from 5 to 7. And guess what, everybody? You can also get his music. One of the most, uh, indeed, one of the most iconic composers of modern gospel um, of our particular age. And we are so grateful that um, that you just continue to find ways to serve people, uh, serve God by serving the people. We love you, Pastor Darius Brooks. My loved First Lady, Deborah. And to the great central family, which is my own, and first young lady, Dasha. There we go. College, who's part of that young lady? I love you, Pastor Brooks. We have got Dr. Shanina Knighton with us today. And, of course, she's an infection preventionist, registered nurse, Ph.D., college lecturer, all of these things. And she's with us every day, helping us to understand how we can really change our thinking about health. Right, because we need to be healthy. That's right. We you don't have to st- try to avoid sickness. You can try to embrace healthfulness in the infection prevention phase. Space. What is most concerning to you and your colleagues at this time, Doctor Knighton? Good morning, and Santita, I always have to make a disclaimer that I am not speaking on behalf of the Association for Professionals in Infection Control and Epidemiology, but more so my professional experience. And I just want to say that I think one of the things that is most concerning to me is that we have 
had such a singular focus on COVID-19 that when buzz statements are made, such as funding for COVID-19 is going to end in May, that people correlate that as being that this illness is over and that other illnesses are not potentially pending. Um, This is not to be fear-mongering. It is not to put people in the space of despair. It is to make sure that people understand the importance of staying ready so you don't have to get ready. And I've said this so many times before, Santita, which is why I'm grateful to you, is that just because it's not on media's radar does not mean that it is not important meaning that with only so much space but so many issues going on in the world, you have to assume that these things still exist. The problem with COVID-19, just like it is with RSV, just like it is with flu and any other illness that has ensued, is that we are fighting something that we physically cannot see. If we saw the COVID germs walking up and down the street, it would be different because that would be an imminent threat in in front of our faces. But right now, as we continue to see the funding dry up, as we continue to see the fact that populations, you know, or certain neighborhoods are going to suffer more than others because they do not have, let's say, the background resources, such as being able to fall back on a primary or being able to have, you know, hospitals and facilities that are nearby should a crisis ensue as a long-term consequence of COVID, it does concern me, and that is the moment of concern right now as we continue to watch COVID mutate and we continue to watch these other germs come up on the radar, which is more of a reason of why I continue to tell people, please make sure that you are washing your hands thoroughly. Make sure that you are taking care of your diet as much as you can. Make sure you are doing risk-lowering measures such as deciding whether or not you're going to go in a certain environment or not. Because the next time that something like this happens, the government may not have enough money to be able to pump into that thing. So you want to use those basic practices that you can to be able to keep yourself safe. In my mind, what is most concerning right now is that the funding will stop, but these pathogens will go on, and will we be ready? Hmm. Everybody, just because the funding stops doesn't mean the music has to stop. We have to stay on top of this. Wash your hands. I went to lunch yesterday, and I love the restaurant. And when I put the soap in my hands and I'm just sitting up under my nails and everything, when I turned on the water, Dr. Knighton, it would not get warm. It was freezing. I said, I'm in misery, but I got to keep washing these hands. A lot of these trouble stations and places are not even prepared for you to wash your hands, but you must do this. You must do it thoroughly. It will save you a whole lot. Hey, Dr. Nina at H-E-Y, Dr. N-I-N-A, H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. Follow her, follow her, follow her, and call your local television and radio affiliate and let them know uh, that you want to hear her. Tell your church. 
You want to hear her. We need to hear from her. Coming up, everybody, let's talk about Tyree Nichols, his deadly beating, 20 hours of footage relating to his beating, have yet to be released. But now we are in the midst of a new season. We are now looking at law and order candidates who are running here in Chicago to be mayor. How do you run as a law and order candidate with that as the backdrop? Talk to me. What about the Justice and Policing Act from, uh, that comes out of the George Floyd killings? We've got so much to talk about on the Vancouver Jackson Show. Call me at 773-763-WCPT. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Call us at 773-763-9278-773-763. WCPT, I want to know what your thoughts are about where we are now that we've had yet another traffic stop, yet another black person who has been killed by the police. Uh, indeed, there's been a lot of speculation about exactly why this happened. It did seem to be awfully personal. Um, that having been said, far too often, black people and brown people, but especially black people, are killed by the police at traffic stops. We are more likely, black people are more likely to be killed at a traffic stop by the police than anybody else. Think about that, everybody. We are not the we are the only people who cannot fully be integrated into society because one thing you can always see just about when someone has just a little bit of black blood, and it can be deadly. Wow, everybody. Uh, but eventually it will happen to everybody because numerically more white people are injured by the police, are killed by the police, are hurt by the police. Statistically, uh, in terms of percentages, in terms of the percentages of our population, more black and brown people are. But the thing is, police brutality and abuse, whoever it happens to, is just wrong. I'm Santita Jackson. Call us at 773-763-9278. Where are you calling? WTPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I want you to talk to me uh, today about what we're looking at. We've got several things that we're looking at. We're, of course, looking at the funeral of Tyree Nichols, the vice president of the United States, thought this was a such great moment that she was there calling upon legislation, legislative remedies. We'll be talking with Joseph Kyles about that, executive director of Rainbow Push in Memphis, Tennessee. And we will also be talking about, uh, we'll be talking with Kevin Lampy, our political consultant, Kurt Lampy. And they, I just, I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are. Justice in Policing Act from George Floyd and Kevin and Joseph, we are coming up on a mayoral race here in Chicago, and Joseph Kyle has ties to Chicago. We have got two of the most prominent. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> We've got two of the most prominent uh, mayoral candidates who are running on law and order. 
How do you do that? This is a backdrop. So let's start with you, Joseph. Help us be there. What happened yesterday? Um, the vice president came in to to this funeral. It was very inspiring, heartbreaking. Um, but we have marching orders. There are things that we've got to do walking away. But first, the funeral. Well, it's a time, Santita, for reflection, recalibration, and direct action. Many times when these things happen across the country and we're pushing for policy initiatives, I can hear Reverend Jackson in my ear saying, if it's going to be done, you must do it. And so it's a call for direct action. Uh, yesterday, Mrs. Wells, Tyree's mother, spoke about how she knows spiritually that her son was sent here for a mission and how devastating that is for her and her family, Tyree's siblings, his son, the fact that he is no longer with him and taken in such a violent way. But she sits in a very strong and sturdy position to lead her family and now to help lead the nation. And so I'm excited about the potential partnership. Mr. and Mrs. Wells have asked Reverend Jackson to be a part of helping them put together a foundation. Uh, and it, 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 it may be something similar to the Tyree Nichols Foundation for Nonviolence to help change policy across the country. I think about Tyree's sister, his older sister, who said at the funeral yesterday, She's so appreciative of the national effort and the outreach and all of the help and the love and the outpouring of the community. But, you know, she just really misses her little brother. He was such a loving individual to that family. And so we look at recalibration and we look at direct action. So we're talking and we're having conversations with our state legislators, with our city council, with our county commissions, because the way that the Memphis Police Department responded to this crime, this tragedy, uh, can be a model for other police stations. But before it gets to be a tragedy, let's talk about implement implementation that will stop this from happening. There is no reason why in our job description, in our application, in our hiring practices in Memphis now that we can tell first responders and police officers, if you fail to your duty to intervene, if you act in some untoward way, you will not have qualified immunity. And we hire on that process. And I think that we need to start and we can create a model. I think Mr. and Mrs. Wells, Tyree Nichols' parents, along with Reverend Jesse Jackson and, and the National Rainbow Push Coalition organization can help implement this all across the nation. Mm, we're talking with Joseph Kyle. Joseph Kyle, the executive director of Rainbow Push in Memphis. He's been involved with Tyree Nichols' family and with Attorney Javier Bailey and uh, State Representative G.A. Hardaway and so many others that they really seek to go past, well, just past the funeral. Because we still now, I mean, the news has come out that there are 20 hours <laughs> of footage we have not even seen. Wow, 20 hours. What? That's right. That's right. Our district attorney was on, uh, Steve Mulroy was on with Wolf Blitzer on CNN yesterday, and he mentioned that, that there were more than 20 hours of footage. So we do know uh, that the push and uh, the legislative action that we've been involved in to make sure that there is um, body cam and other camera video, um, that, that is significant. And it also says that there are going to be possibly some other firings and maybe some other indictments of those who were um, who failed to intervene. 
Sheila Jackson Lee was at the funeral yesterday, Congresswoman from Houston, Texas, and she has uh, been fighting for the George Floyd Act. She mentioned uh, to uh, the congregation that in her in that act, she's going to push for the Tyree Nichols failure to intervene. And so that is going to be a piece that we move through each of these municipalities all across the country. If if you fail to intervene, there were so many breakdowns in the system that did not allow Tyree to make it home. And so we have to fix those systems because it could be any one of us or any one of our children that encounter the same vicious cycle. It's the culture that has to be repaired. Kyle, everybody, executive director of Rainbow Push in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Stay right there, Joseph, because I want to bring on Kevin Lampe. He's one of the nation's foremost political consultants, political analysts. And I want to ask you about your reaction to what we've been seeing over the past week, and particularly as we are in the midst of a contentious um, mayoral campaign here in Chicago, where two of the most highly visible candidates are running on law and order platforms in Chicago. Well, we've had home and square, a CIA uh, inspired black site, if you will. People go in, but somehow they don't come out. So John Burge, you know, who uh, directed his, uh, his units to sexually abuse young 13, 14 year old black boys, uh, sexually violating them with electric prods and whatnot. I mean, Chicago has had quite a history, quite a history. I mean, talk to me about what you've seen and talk to me about how this can, how this could maybe, well, shape this mayoral campaign. Well, most, most definitely, Santita, thanks for having me on. It is very, I'm frustrated with the way campaigns are being conducted in Chicago right now by the mayoral candidates, and particularly we're looking at Paul Vallis, who is law and order, law and order, law and order. It's almost like what Joe Biden was saying about uh, Rudy Giannotti. Rudy, when she would say, he would say, you know, um, now 9-11 noun. And it is um, what what the candidate's message is, and particularly in Paul Ballas, is it's more police, it's more police, it's more police, it's more officers. But it doesn't talk about this systemic problem that creates crime. That is, and then this, the way we look at every issue is just a matter of brutality and a matter of force. Um we need to be talking about, um, when we're talking about public safety, we need to be talking about what problems are creating public safety and how to solve them instead of just throwing more guns and, and muscle against it. And what we've seen in, particularly in this situation in, down in Memphis, it's just that the, 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 the attitude, the way that the, these officers approached the situation was their only, only um, option was physical violence. And, and to take somebody, and it was nothing, you know, nothing about trying to de-escalate the situation. They came in fully escalated, fully, and the adrenaline was flowing, and all they wanted to do was to beat this poor man. And we've got a problem. We got a problem that we are not addressing. And if we continue to just uh, tackle um, you know, public safety and, and violence and crime as just a, a, a fact that we become the perpetrators of the violence and crime, that's just sad for our whole society. 
Mm, well, I mean, because, but there is this tension, and I think that even though we're on a progressive station in a progressive space, Kevin, um, there is a tension because there is a reason that Paul Vallis has a chunk of the vote. I realize that after our mayoral storm last week, uh, some people were were bothered by, as much as they loved Dr. Willie Wilson, they said, well, you know, this hunt them down like rabbits, you know, and, and the context for Dr. Wilson, to be fair, is that his son was murdered and no one found the perpetrators. And so, you know, one can only imagine uh, how that's made him feel with with all of his the open heart he has for giving and all the money he has. Nothing can fill the space of not having his child with him. That having been said, you still have people pushing at this time on law and order. I mean, how, I mean, there is a real, when just, and many of my white friends will not even, they assume that I'm not going to vote for the law and order candidates. So the conversation shifts, right? So they're like, well, you know, um, they don't even want to mention it, but for them, crime is the issue. As if crime started under Lori Lightfoot. I mean, really, Kevin? When I was in Cuba and Europe in the 70s, people would ask me, and I was just a little, I was a very young teenager. Where are you from? Chicago. Oh, bang, 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 Al Capone. That's what Chicago is known for, Kevin. Chicago. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so, talk to me. I mean, because this is the backdrop now, because people are not saying it. But you, if it bleeds, it leads. Particularly on the Chicago news, we lead with so-and-so was shot tonight. Come on. Well, I, I, yeah, I think it's it's even the challenge is 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 the candidates right now, and Paul Vallis in particular, they are are offering more about. Their solution is limited to putting more police officers on the streets. What we need is more detectives. We need more investigations. Once a crime is committed, then we need to be able to find the perpetrator and take them to justice. We, we were focusing on the different part of the process. You know, it's kind of like a law and order episode. You know, the first part is the investigation, and the second part is the trial. And we need to have more of the second parts in our society. We need to have more focus on how do we clear these cases? How do we get the justice that victims need? And right now, we're, we're, we're just throwing some muscle at the problem. We need more brain power to compose for the center power. Joseph Kyles, what about these candidates who are running on law and order um, in 2023, 2024, you know this is going to be an issue during the presidential campaign. And you know this is an issue right now. It's it's unstated, but there are a lot of people who feel that if you comply, uh, you wouldn't have this problem. And there are some people, doubtless, who feel that this was Tyree's fault. You know, you can you can hear it you can hear it in there. I listen to I listen to different talk shows and I'm like, Wow, what did you see that I that I didn't see? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I agree with Kevin in terms of brain power. I think that if we look at our large municipalities and the, the issues that we're dealing with in terms of crime, uh, there really has to be a balance effect. M- most um, police actions occur 
and they come on the scene after the crime. And so investigative units, uh, general bureau investigative units should be increased. And then you need a, a, a large percentage, at least 30 percent of your of your dollars and your budget that's a police force that needs to go into mental health investigators. Uh, because at the time that you arrive on the scene and there is no mental health professional there to evaluate and assess and to uh, ascribe a, a, a de-escalation tactic, uh, our police officers are soldiers. They are not put out into the field typically to de-escalate. They are called to action to use force, and that is not the process that we need each time there is a phone call or an emergency. And so I think that we look at our mayors across the country, um, the system in terms of what is there now, uh, there is an economic divide. So if we're having car thefts and we're having the underground economy, nobody talks about the fact that many of these neighborhoods uh, in the underground underground economy were sufficiently surviving, but then they legalized marijuana. And wait a minute, what happened when they legalized marijuana? They took food, and I'm not condoning the sale of underground economy marijuana, but I am simply stating a fact. When they legalized marijuana, there were communities that were sustaining themselves off the practice of that. That is an underground economy. It is legal, and it should not be allowed. But now all of these other ancillary crimes go on because people have to survive. And so we have to get smarter in terms of how we deal with youth uh, and justice uh, and creating opportunities for uh, workforce development and employment. We got to give people options so that they do not go to crime. Well, I mean, I want you all to call me at 773-763-9278, I want to hear what your thoughts are. I mean, call me at 773-CALL US at 773-763-9278. We have one of your colleagues from Rainbow, Rainbow Push, special um, assistant to Reverend Jesse Jackson, head of Push Excel, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, someone known to you and to Kevin Rampey. Um, you looked at, and of course, she is a lawyer and a minister. Um, what did you, what was the takeaway from the funeral as we find that there are 20 hours of video footage that we have yet to see? Um, as now there, there's more discussion again about the justice and policing. Where, where are we going from here? I mean, aside from a financial settlement. And I am not diminishing financial settlement, doctor. I mean, Reverend Wilson, but it's like, I just, I, it's like we're on loop with this. And nothing is changing. Well, I think several things. This is not a typical stop. This appeared to be a targeted stop, which means the police, uh, whoever was orchestrating this particular stop, it wasn't a traffic stop. They never said you ran a light. There's no evidence that he um, was driving recklessly. So this was targeted. It's, as, it's like the police officers who decide to uh, initiate a search warrant, even if it's the improper location. That was a targeted search. And so part of the challenge we have is we have no uh, intervention. In, we don't have proper interventions for police officers who decide to do certain things that are illegal, improper, violate uh, department rules. There are inappropriate sanctions for that. There are inappropriate uh 
things that should happen to those police officers if they were civilians certain things they are fired uh, they lose pension rights they they have to pay money with police it is a gang culture and so if i am riding with you santita and you decide to do an illegal or improper act I'm part of your gang, and so there's a no-snitch rule. If you saw all of those cops, three are initiating violent actions, the others are standing by, no one said, hey, don't do that, let's stop, this is not right, because I'm part of the gang. And as part of the gang, I go with whatever it is the gang is doing at that moment. Even if I, in, in my innermost thoughts, disagree. I know it's wrong, but I'm not going to say anything. If you remember the Laquan McDonald uh, murder, it was a collaborative murder. The then state's attorney was in, co- in, in concert with the police, so she did not initiate any charges against Van Dyke. The uh, supervising police officers, they were part of the cover-up, the suppression of the tape, the holding of the tape for 13 months. And so when you look at Memphis, what made it different is you had a police chief say, oh, no, this is absolutely wrong, and immediately started to fire sanctioned officers. That's That's been unprecedented in these police cases around the country. I, you and I know the training of police officers is very different. They're not trained to uh, de-escalate situations, and they should be. They are not the military. They're not the National Guard. They're not the armed forces, but they behave as if we are a special unit of the military. And when we arrive, we do whatever we have to do to take uh, control of the site. And we, uh, I think the brain power that you all are talking about requires us to understand state legislators, because crime and criminal justice is defined at the state level. It's a state's right. We have to begin to foresee state legislators that we elect uh, the representatives every every four years, the state senators every six years. We have to decide what is our criminal justice reform. How do police officers have qualified immunity? How do they get immune from civil prosecution? How do they get to keep their pensions? How do they get to not be uncomfortable when they have committed crimes and even found guilty of it? How do they get to be placed in uh, secure cells when they've committed murder, as uh, Jason Van Dyke? Well, we don't want him to be in the general population. Why not? He's He's a general criminal now. He's a general murderer now. And so... We have to look at that. And at the federal level, President Biden needs to stop playing around. Issue an executive order. It lasts as long as he's the president. By then, when his term ends, we hopefully can reelect House of Representatives who will then uh, take that executive order and make it into law. But for for the time being, just don't keep going crying at funerals and saying how great the sermons were. We have to move legislatively. Secondly, I disagree. There is no parallel in my mind between this uh, young man's murder at the hands of police officers and Dr. King's murder. This kid was an innocent young man who had not committed any crimes. He is not Dr. King. 
And so the parallels that were drawn, uh, I find offensive and inappropriate. I do, however, think his life, like Emmett Till's, gives life to the idea of us dealing with policing, police misconduct, and how as a nation we must address it. But there's no direct link between this young man's life and that of Dr. King. It may be more closely aligned with Emmett Till. And the biblical story that I perhaps would have used would not have been Joseph, the dreamer. I don't know Tyrese's dreams. We don't know anything about Tyrese other than he did nothing to die on the streets of Memphis. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, you know, Joseph, I want you to speak to that when we get on the other side of the break. I also want you to speak to, starting with you, Joseph, and then you, Reverend Wilson, and then you, Kevin Lampley. And we've got to stay on these on these elections, everybody, at the local, county, state, and federal levels. The president should have an executive order. Last of all, as president, people, why not on, on justice and policing? More people were killed by police last year than ever before. Since they have been measuring, accumulating that data, 2022 was unfortunately the high watermark for that. More people were killed, so something is disconnected here. But Joseph, I want you, Joseph Kyle, Executive Director of Rainbow Push in Memphis, Tennessee. I saw a question from an article last night that struck me. Our FOPs, that is police unions, are they blocking progress? Are they keeping us from ending qualified immunity? Are they the ones who are supporting this bad behavior? Just hold on to it. Hold on to it, Joseph Kyle. Hold on to it, Kevin Lampy. Kevin Lampy, I see him just chomping at the bit, chomping at the bit. And Reverend Jeanette Wilson, Esquire from Rainbow Push. And I want to hear from you. Call me at 773 763 9278-773-763-9278. Where do we go from here? Now that Tyree Nichols has been laid to rest, his problems are still alive. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show on WCPT 820 and AM 950 Radio in just a few minutes. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is Thursday, February 2nd. Can you believe we're the second month into 2023? And we are... Really, not even a year away from the presidential campaign of 2024. Time just keeps on flipping, flipping, flipping into the future. I'm Santita Jackson, coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I want you to meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel, the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. Ashley came down there in Memphis. I see you. And, of course, the Santita Jackson and Friends Facebook page. Everybody, please become my friends there. The Santita Jackson page is just a landing page. I can't take any more friends. In fact, they kick out thousands of people every year. 
unbelievable. They have a 5,000-person limit. I had to open up a new page, and I can interact with you there. So call me. Call me right now at 773-769-278. Let's talk about where we are now after having watched some of these Tyree Nichols tapes. There are 20 hours of tapes that are outstanding. Can you believe it? There's more. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. But perhaps Joseph Kyle, the executive director of Rainbow Push, will be able to tell us about it. Kevin Lampy, we have our own issues here in Chicago, one of the top political consultants in America, and of course, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, director of Push Excel, attorney and pastor. And we're going to have uh, your friend, Javier Bailey, on with us, Doctor, uh, excuse me, attorney Jay Bailey, in just a few minutes. So let me get to some of these headlines, because I want you to speak to me, Joseph, about the FOP, the police union. You've got to deal with them now, because it seems like they are standing between us and progress. In Chicago, we're going to have a high of 30 degrees, partly cloudy. Minneapolis, 12 degrees will be the high. Oh, partly cloudy. In the NBA, the Timberwolves are triumphant last night, 119 to 114 over the Warriors. And tonight, what's going to happen with the Hornets in Chicago? We hope there will be a win. Everybody, call me at, or text me at 773-763-9278-773-763-W CPT. I want to know what is on your mind today. We are looking at dangerous weather, treacherous, wintry conditions due to freezing rain, sleet, and ice are wreaking havoc all across the United States, particularly the South. Texas has been bearing the brunt of a dangerous ice storm, nearly 400,000 homes and businesses, according to Power Outage USA, have lost power. Wow. Air travel. Halted. More than 1,400 flights yesterday canceled alone, everybody. Please, more than 15 million people are expected to be under a wind chill watch or warning in the Northeast beginning as early as today. If you see anyone in these streets who's freezing, direct them to a fire station, a police station, a library, a warming center. Please do. No one should freeze to death or be cold at this in this moment, everybody. Just think about that. The police will be on alert now. I think they're going to do right, but that's when we're supposed to go get warm. The House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, is, is signaling optimism that both he and President Biden can reach a consensus on the nation's debt limit. That is good news. Amid high tensions in Israel and the Palestinian territories, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told CNN this week that any measurable progress toward a long-term peace agreement is unlikely anytime soon. As we get to... Um, our panel, I want you to look at your economic freedom. There is a magnificent program that Team Hochberg is sponsoring. It's Perks at Work. It can save you or make you thousands of dollars, everybody. If you're selling your home, if you're purchasing a new home, if you'd like to save thousands of dollars, Call Team Hochberg at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or visit them at 56david.com. They are your trusted local lender. Team Hochberg is offering everybody the perks at work benefit through the end of April, which can save you thousands of dollars. The next time you buy or sell your home, let me tell you how it works. Team Hochberg affiliated, they have realtors, and if they sell your home, they will reduce their fee up to 1%. That's a lot of money, everybody. When a Team Hockberg affiliated realtor helps you to purchase a home, you will receive up to 1% of their commission as a closing cost credit. Team Hockberg will credit their loan origination fee, and their affiliated attorney will reduce 
their fee. That's a lot of money. A couple saved close to $9,000 using this coach and work program when they sold their home and purchased a new one. That could be you too. Please call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. That's 855-563-2843, 855-563-2843-56david.com. That's right, everybody. Your local housing lender, your equal housing lender, they can help you at Team Hospitals. You know, we're talking with Joseph Kyles, uh, Executive Director of Rainbow Push in Memphis. He's been at the center of really trying to find out what happened with Tyree Nichols, working with the, with the Nichols family. And, um, and then we've got Kevin, uh, Kevin Lampy, one of the top political consultants in the United States, as we're looking at the blowback all across the nation, particularly as we look at this election here in Chicago, just not even a month away, just weeks away. Reverend Jeanette Wilson Esquire from Rainbow Push. And we're going to have, excuse me, Attorney Jay Bailey in just a couple of minutes. But what about the FOP? Because you've got to deal with them. Many of us don't want to talk about the fact that they're the ones who really, they've got so much power, Joseph. So much power. Talk to me. When, you know, when you're talking about qualified immunity and things like that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And we're talking about real change. We're talking about the legislators. We're talking about everybody but the FOP, Joseph. You're right. You're right. Before I get to the Fraternal Order of Police, if you allow me, Santita, I'd like to recognize a few individuals, our community activists, who were so sincere and have been engaged and helped bring uh, this to light in terms of Tyree Nichols. Uh, Frank Gotti is one of those community uh, activists, L.J. Abram and Keedron Franklin. Those three young people have been at the center of a lot in terms of the movement and the social justice change here in Memphis. And um, and I'm so happy to have connections with these young individuals who are continuing the fight because, you know, we talked last week about provocateurs and people that would come into the community and, and disrupt a peaceful uh, protest. And I'm, I'm so thankful that we have those individuals working with many others. But those are the three that I know, and I want to congratulate them uh, publicly. Now, let's deal with the, uh, the fraternal order of police and their stronghold over uh, state houses and all the way up to Congress. Qualified immunity is really where the rubber meets the road. If at the end of the day, an officer walks out and he tells his spouse, his or her spouse, that they're going to work and the spouse looks at them and says, remember our pension, our house, our boat, our car, our bank account, our finances, and your freedom when you, before you step out that door and you do anything to jeopardize that. That's what qualified immunity means. And if people are not held accountable, if bad actors are not held accountable, then the system of justice does not work. You cannot have people policing your neighborhoods with Gestapo tactics and believe that they can operate with impunity because they have one of the largest lobbyists behind them and that they buy members of Congress and they control members of Congress and their access to legislation. But we have to stand up. And so as Reverend Wilson said, we have to put the pressure. President Biden must move in an executive order. And and in my opinion, that executive order would help stimulate individuals like those three young folks that I just talked about. They would go out to the streets and register people and push people to the polls. So in all across the country, so in those swing districts, we can take the house back. Mm. You've been to that. What about the FOP? We're in Chicago. 
and you've got uh, two of who uh, two of our candidates who've been embraced by the FOP. I mean, who running for mayor, and you even have the president. Let us not exclude him, uh, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, and when we bring on uh, Attorney Bailey, the president has been the best friend of FOP. Just a couple of weeks after Rodney King was beaten half to death, he went on the floor of the U.S. Senate and offered up a police officer's bill of rights. Come on. Talk to me. Kevin. I think one of the... Oh, oh. Yeah, go on. Well, I was going to say about the FOP, it is a national lobbying entity. Yes, they are a labor union, but we must must not forget unions pay lobbyists. So it is no accident that the FOP contracts are very consistent all across America. They have lobbied for qualified immunity for police officers. They lobby for provisions in the contract that delay the immediate Actions against police officers. You almost have to have your uh, rules of a review of police officer misconduct approved by the FOP. Because when you look at these contracts with cities like Chicago, New York, LA, all across the country, they have similar provisions because the FOP lobbies on behalf of police officers to the exclusion of what it means to the citizens of any of our cities and towns. And we have not focused on how do we change these contracts with police, with the police union, between the police union and the cities. Police officers have more rights than anybody. That That's why they behave the way they do. They are protected. The union pays for legal fees for these officers, these rogue officers who are reassigned to death duty with pay, oftentimes. Commit murder and you're reassigned with pay. That does not happen to ordinary civilians. So to speak. Anybody, Reverend Wilson, (laughs) you can kill somebody and literally get away with it. Kevin Lampe, come on. I mean, shouldn't this be an issue in our in, during the mayoral race? All of them, but particularly this one right now. Well, absolutely, and the challenge. We, FOP leadership, and let's make a distinction between FOP leadership and the the cop on the beat. The, the FOP leadership has been contentious with every mayor in every city across the country. They walk into the situations where they are. We just, you know, they are not interested in policies of moving forward. How do we really create public safety? How do we really find the training that our officers need? How do we really help them to learn how to de-escalate a situation instead of escalate a situation? You know, every time I hear FOP in a conversation, it's about escalation. It's not about training. And they need to be held accountable. Their leadership needs to be held accountable. And they need to be doing things that are protecting their officers and helping them do their jobs better instead of just wanting to walk into every argument, every discussion with, with the mayor and with the city council. is an argument, not a dialogue. You know, let me speak to let me speak to a comment that I just got from Karen Lanay. I hear you. You said, aren't we happy the president has changed? Unlike some progressives in politics, his more recent legislation and actions show he supports us, black folks, his hires, et cetera. I don't think that people change as much as they make adjustments politically. And that's fine with me. 
But you cannot deny President Biden's history. President Biden has never been a progressive. He's always been a right wing Democrat. If you want to if you want to know one reason why you saw Anita Hill buried and Clarence Thomas lifted up, it is he. I mean, we just have to be honest about that. But that does not mean that you don't work with him. It doesn't mean that you don't like him. Because I've known him for like 40 years. He's a nice guy. That has nothing to do with my political disagreements with him. It has nothing to do with the fact, this fact, that I have got to negotiate so I can get what it is that I need from him. Even for my friend, that's the mistake we made with President Obama. We said, oh, we love him. and No, 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 I got you. But in politics, the people... We vote. We over-indexed in our vote for President Obama. We voted for him more than anybody. He's the re- we are the reason he became president. But you know what? We stopped advocating because we said we got to protect him. No, and now we're unprotected. Stop. Stop. I hear you, girl. But no. That's not the way politics works. Politics is a pressure game. Is it not, Kevin? You know, politics is democracy is participation, not observation. So in order to to in order to make things change and make things happen, you got to show up and you got to be a part of the system. You you have to wreck the system. You have to get into the system. You got to kick open those doors, and then you can make real change. I talk all the time through my career when I'm training young people in this game. Is it's really easy to throw the rocks through the windows, but you got to move in size. You want to move walls, and you want to remodel. And so we have to constantly be pushing people that that you are elected officials, but it's the dialogue once again with them, with us. It is not about a one-way street. Welcome, uh, Attorney Jay Bailey, um, someone you have brought us together with, uh, Joseph Kyles. What a brilliant attorney and just a freedom fighter. Talk to us about what you see. You, you're hearing a whole lot. We've been talking about the FOP. We've been talking about these 20 hours of video footage that we have yet to see. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where do we go from here? I mean, because now that uh, now that the funeral is over, people are going to move on. There will be a financial settlement, all of that. But what's next, Attorney Bailey? So the hard thing for all of us to to accept and to realize is that at this point, it's no longer about just about at least Tyree Nichols. It's no longer just about George Floyd or Breonna Taylor. It, now it's a matter of principle. And what our community, that being the black community, what we will accept and what we will not accept. So uh, from this moment, I believe that we must begin now not backing off. We cannot allow a monetary settlement to back us down. That's between the city and the family. But as it relates to the police and our community, and I mean this nationwide, we have now, we must demand and not back down from uh, police reforms. It's as simple as that. Uh, Community policing is a term that has been used over the years, and all of us know that term. Uh, But we really got to get back to that. Um, I, I tell you that... Uh, I was dismayed when I on, on, on uh, Memphis's one of the local news stations this morning. They interviewed a young man who had been accosted by that same Scorpion unit. Uh, he was 19 years old. He said he had been walking down the street, and uh, they just stopped him for, for no reason. They roughed him up, and uh, his head was slammed against a fence. Uh, 
And so it's starting to look like this was a pattern and a practice. And the Justice Department needs to come in and review the patterns and practices of this of this police department. And to be honest with you, we, we ought to be demanding this nationwide in every major city. Oh, yeah, we're just hearing from Attorney Jay Bailey out of Memphis and patterns and practices. This happens all over. It happens all over the country. That's why you had people who were waiting all over the country to see this video. But now, where do we go? What do we do? How do we how do we press the president to get a justice and policing? executive order. I mean, or do you think that's necessary? At first, you, because I only have about three and a half minutes, but, about, you know, just give me under a minute, Reverend Wilson. Well, I mean, what I think we need to do is require patterns and practice investigations to be made public, and we should be urging President Biden to issue a, a reform in police and executive order now. All of us from every city, every major city around this country, we all have the same issues, whether it's Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, D.C., Detroit. We need to be urging that uh, state attorney generals, the Cook County, the state's attorneys of the various counties, we need to collectively submit a petition, a letter to the president immediately. He can do that now. Mm. Amen. Kevin Lampe, your thoughts just under a minute? We have to keep the pressure up on all our elected officials. We need to be communicating. We need to be protesting. We need to be in these spaces discussing and letting our voices be heard and not sit by the sidelines, but show up every day, show up at the polling places, speak out at town hall meetings, write your representatives, call your representatives, get to know their staff, and deliver your message to them at every opportunity you have. Mm. Uh, Attorney Bailey, what's next? Well, um, I think... I agree with every, what um, everyone has said here. You know, the the pattern, demanding transparency with patterns and practices is, in my opinion, the next step. Uh, we need to dig deep. We need to look look into uh, these police practices. Also, uh, we can no longer stand for this kind of behavior from the people that uh, feed their families off our tax dollars. I mean, we we must. We must not back down on this. And uh, all too often, you know, after time passes and after they pay off the family, it, it kind of goes away. And, and, and we can't allow that this time. I'm just saying that's the pattern. It happens over and over and over again. And I'm just saying there's something about that that's not working because last year more people were killed by police than at any time since they've been measuring collecting that data. Something's not happening. Joseph Kyle, the last minute belongs to you. Reflection, recalibration, direct action. Reflection is and will be the settlement, the financial settlement. How much is a man, young man's life worth? a four-year-old without a father, a mother and father without a son, siblings without a brother, what he meant to that family, how much is that worth? Recalibration, direct action. Recalibration now is to get actively engaged in redirecting policy and making sure that there is an infrastructure change. There is an infrastructure change. That means that you tear out the pipes. 
and you go in and you replace all new infrastructure in terms of policy dealing with police and misbehavior and then direct action, as so many of other our guests have said, uh, policy, legislation, making sure that our legislative officials, our, our local municipal officials, along with our state and national representatives understand that we want qualified immunity removed in cases of bad actors. Mm. Well, you have been with Reverend Jackson a little while. I heard that rhyming. But then you are also Reverend Billy Tyler's nephew. So I heard that too. And maybe there's a song. Is that Al Green I hear? Wait a minute. Come on, your nephew, Al Green. You know we love Al Green. Come on. You know, I mean, look. He's, a, oh, he's one of the few artists who can get the whole family, from my baby sister, Jackie, to my daddy and my mama. And yes, I'm running to the stage grabbing at the roses. How how do you know Al Green? Uh, that is uh, my stepfather. My mother, uh, Evangelist Shirley Green, was married to Al Green for several years, and and my sisters, Alva Ruby and Cora, are his daughters, and they are, we're so proud of all of them because they are involved in, in spiritual uh, and singing and providing gospel music across the country. And this church service will ask Al Green, Reverend Green, to sing "Love and Happiness." My father has no sense. Santita Jackson Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. You know what time it is. It's time to talk about the economy. Yeah, the economy. Something that we all need to, that we're all dealing with. That is something that crime, really, our money is really what's number one. It's driving everything. That's why we talk to Dr. Wolf every Thursday at 7.30. Before we get to him, I have a couple of things that I want to bring up. We missed uh, Shapiro. Very quickly, Shapiro. I'm sorry, a little bit under a minute for you. What's going on today? No problem, Santita. Thank you for having us. And celebrations by us, we are definitely taking your orders for your hot wings, your barbecue wings, as well as also your sliders, your meatballs, everything that you'll need for your Super Bowl party. So give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We're also actually promoting our Courtney Copeland Memorial Foundation Gala. That's going to be held on March 3rd, 2023 at the JL. M Community Center in Chicago. So also go to copelandmemorial.com to purchase your tickets. Thank you so much, Santita. You are very welcome. How can people find out about the gala? 
www.copelandmemorial.com. All right, everybody. And then I've got Mama D. Mama D, very quickly, what is, give us your comment before we pivot over to the economy. Oh, well, how are you greetings? The, the FOP don't just have a contract. They have a, a law in Springfield. What I wanted to say, um, uh, the contingency said that the police created situations to use deadly force. Uh, my mother used the phrase, like a rabbit. I have lost two brothers, a niece, cousin, and when my sister Helen Richard became the first female CTA driver ever slain in the line of duty, on the mm. way to the witness stand, my mother paused and said to the mother of the murderer of my sister, you have my sympathy. And then she took the stand and she said, my daughter did not deserve to be shot down like a rabbit. Breathing parents whose children are dying in record numbers have a different feeling. And we have to give them that space, whether it's my mother or Willie Wilson or anybody else. And to, to have laws that says it's okay for you to shoot into somebody's house because it's mutual combat or say the police cannot chase these criminals when they are killing people, that is absolutely wrong. But at the end of the day, uh, hatred is the weapon of mass destruction, and we have got to deal with that. Amen to that. Mama D has spoken, and... You have our prayers and our condolences. You know, these are lights in your Christmas tree that can never be relit. But you know, they are in heaven cheering you on. We just thank you, Mama D, for all of your caring and your activism um, and your willingness to keep up the good fight every single day. Love you so much. Dr. Max Wolf, it is a joy to have you here with us today. You know, so much of the social tumult is driven by the economy. People have no money. I mean, people who make $100,000 a year living paycheck to paycheck. 63% uh, of Americans cannot, and we're living paycheck to paycheck. It is tight out here. And yet you hear that there are a lot of jobs that are available. I just, what's going on with the wages? I mean, because I'm always reading, hearing that wages have not moved in, I guess, now almost 50 years. I mean, how do we do that? Because the price of milk sure did change, and so did the price of a house and rent. Dr. Wolf. Sure, so thanks, thanks for having me. I mean, I think there's sort of a couple of things floating around in here. We have attended to associate when we make these conversations and people discuss jobs, that a job is a ticket out of poverty, right? Now, obviously, this has been less true for some communities than others, particularly communities that were discriminated against at work and their wages reflecting a lower compensation often for identical work or sometimes greater work, right? So everyone is not historically equal there. But the assumption in the United States was largely, if not always true, that a job meant at least a ticket out of poverty, maybe not to wealth or anything like that, but at least into the lower reaches of the middle class. So one of the things that's changed over the last 40 years because of staggered wages and declining benefits for a lot of people, too, and that's probably a different show, but the number of people getting retirement benefits and protected work status and days off and sick pay and uh, health benefits has also declined, right, with all these 
part-time folks and gig economy folks and quote-unquote independent contractors who often don't have the protections and the benefits. Right? So that's also an issue. But even setting that apart, just on the salary side, wages haven't kept up, and so a job no longer means you're not poor. And so we sort of have a swelling of the ranking of the working poor. And yeah, you'll have lots of arguments about how little you need to make to be poor, but people kind of know. And for most people now, what their parents saw as middle-class prosperity, they would now probably think as unlikely and affluent. And that's a declining sort of material existence in a lot of ways for the bottom six out of ten or three out of five, and the majority of folks in the country. Now, there are a lot of things that can erode your purchasing power or decrease the value of work. And so when we say, hey, wages haven't really gone up in the last 50 years, we mean controlling for inflation. And that can be confusing because obviously the, what it said on your pay stub 50 years ago and what it says on your pay stub today are very different, right? So you're making a lot more money. The question is, the way we try to figure out what you can buy is what you can, what you get with that money, right? How much rent does it buy? How much car does it buy? How much grocery uh, bag does it buy? How much bus ticket does it buy or airline ticket or doctor visit, right? And so the problem is if your salary went from $100 a week to $600 a week and your costs went from $90 a week to $620 a week, you're poorer now. Even though your salary is six times what it was, if that makes sense, right? In terms of what you can actually buy. And this is always hard because, you know, as the deeper sayings go, you can't jump in the same river twice. And what people buy in 2020 is, of course, not the same as what people bought in, you know, 1970. It's pretty different. So over time, what we purchase shifts, we kind of have a basic idea of the big things like food, shelter, medicine, transportation. And we try to back into it from that. So, yes, you have all kinds of things today that even very wealthy people didn't have 20 years ago. But you also don't have things today that even very poor people had 40, 50 years ago. I didn't know. Because you just said something that really that struck me. You know, we make more money now, but we're poorer now. Explain that. Because that's certainly what it feels like. People who work in the city cannot afford to rent in the city, let alone buy a home in the city. Um, and it's just your money just doesn't go as far. When you go to the grocery store, I don't know about you, but I'm shocked. Like, sure. I haven't even gotten to the meat and the fish yet. <laughs> this is a whole, I mean, what am I getting here? Talk to me. We're poorer now, even though we're making more money. And, 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 the, and the politicians are saying, you know, things are better than they've ever been. I'm like, but no, there's a disconnect here. Talk to us, Dr. Wolf. Well, first of all, when, when someone tells you things are better, it's always interesting to ask for who. And that's not an insult. It just means for who, right? So it's up, some people are always better off, and averages can feel a lot of difference, right? So there are right? so there are segments of the country, country where people are meaningfully better off, right? So it's not that it's false. It's just the average person is not better off, right? So the average person isn't able to buy more of what we think she or he wants with their paychecks than they used to be. That's kind of what that means. And then the last thing is people do get focused, you know, by the media, by powers that be on the price of things. And that does matter, but the price of things only matters in relationship to your salary. In the same way that your salary only matters in relationship to the price of things. So the little game that sometimes people know, because it's been an experiential thing, if you go to a lot of resorts, 
on a cruise or something, sometimes they'll make you a fake currency and you'll get on there and they'll give you a whole bunch of beads or points. And for a few minutes, you'll feel rich until you realize you can't buy anything with 300 points, right? And that's a little bit the what they sometimes call the money illusion, right? So if you have a higher dollar paycheck, you will feel affluent until you confront prices that are even higher. And what, what this means in the real world is looking back on the last 12 months, and again, we'll get an update just less than 24 hours from now from the Department of Labor Statistics, which will tell us about the economy in January, starting this tomorrow, one, one, you know, one day from now. But we, we know that in the last year, wages went up about 4.5%, and the stuff we buy went up about 6.5%, right? And so we lost some of our purchasing power, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Your stub at the end of the week or the end of the month says that you made a bit more. Right? Probably about four and a half percent more. Again, that's the national average. But if you look at the receipts of the things you're buying with that money, those went up about six and a half percent. So working hard all year, good job, average, 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 and you end up in terms of what you can buy behind where you were last year. And again, that's an average. And so depending on where you live and depending on what you buy, you might be much more than two or three percent down. And you might also be up, right? Because, again, if you average the experience of 170 million employees in the United States, you know, there's going to be a lot of differences that are hidden by that averaging process. Mm. Earl said a few years ago you could get eggs for 79 cents a dozen. Now they're five ninety-nine a dozen. I mean, it's just, it is so expensive. I mean, what... And then you hear about yeah, the even, right, even that's not equal, right? Even that's not yeah, equal. Yeah, talk to me. Brooklyn. So I live in a fairly expensive place. Um, not all Brooklyn is expensive, but I guess I live in a pretty nice part of Brooklyn, depending on who you ask. Um, but, you know, reasonable. And I can buy a, a dozen organic eggs for the same four ninety nine that they were two years ago, when they were probably $0.35 cents for you and not $8. So the differences are also regional and have to do with, in the case of the eggs, I think it has a lot to do with the bird flu outbreaks. Okay, now, you know, we're having yeah. some we're having some trouble understanding you right now. It just sounds a little muddy. I don't know. Are you on an earpiece? Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, if you, if you don't mind, if you can go directly to the phone, that would be great. Sure, sure. Okay, great, great. But you were saying that, you know, okay, you are, I mean, because there, oh, af, yes, there are some affluent, I mean, well, it seems that places where you live in an affluent part of Brooklyn, um, it, it costs more to be poor. Let's, you know, let's just break it down. Right. And I mean, because, you know, when you go thing. to poor areas, you pay more for poor quality stuff. And, and, yeah, and starting sure. with food. Yeah, or you have to travel at large cost outside of your area because it's a food desert, which is common too. And so you have to spend a bunch of money to travel to another place and pay the higher cost of a more affluent neighborhood in order to travel a longer distance to get your food. Right? You, it's very visible in where I live because I live near a transit hub in Brooklyn. And so you see people coming in from all over Brooklyn. And, you know, obviously some parts of Brooklyn are much more affluent than others. Hmm. I want you to call us at 773-763-9278. What do you think about this, and how are you making it? I mean, I, you know, that's what it comes down to, and I'm wondering why it is that we have so, you know, they're saying that there are more jobs uh, available and and fewer takers. What What is behind that? 
I mean, I mean, what is it? Because everything's more expensive. People are struggling out here. You know, you cannot afford. You don't. You, most Americans don't can't pull together a thousand dollars for an emergency in any given month. I mean, really, my brother, former Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr., put it this way: We are the best dressed poor people on earth. I mean, Americans are like right on the edge. Right, right, we're right on the edge. I mean, and that's a very uncomfortable feeling, Doctor Wolf, because you say like have six months that you have an abeyance for rent. Just have that saved up. People can't do that. I mean, unfortunately, you mean it's just your margins are too tight. Your margins are just tight. Even if you look at the sort of sensitivity measures we use for how fragile people are, a lot of people are one large medical bill or one major auto breakdown away from the edge of destitution, right? And the reason that caused a lot of concern is because it is a matter of time for most people before their car needs a substantial repair or before they encounter some kind of medical or dental bill that's not trivial, just given how much that kind of stuff costs, right? And so we know that's an issue. By the way, the other issue we've been watching is credit card debt has really shot up in the last year, and the interest rates have gone up too, which means people owe more money, and they're paying more interest on it, and the job market is softening at the same time. So historically, when you've seen those three things come together, more credit card debt, a softer job market, and higher interest rates, higher cost of having that credit card debt doesn't always bode super well. So it just increases the fragility for people who are a little more affluent and who are leaning on credit cards as opposed to other ways of, of uh, funding their life. I think that's part of the job issue we have too, which is if going to work, which might also be dangerous in the age of COVID and all the rest, isn't a route out of poverty you're going to have a lot less loyalty and interest from a lot of people getting up and going to that job. But how are we supposed to make it? I mean, I, I'm trying to find out how, you know, with us not being able to go to the emergency room, uh, you know, your car, if it breaks down, what did you say? You are on the precipice of destitution. I mean, just everything, we have no margins. The margin of error for most Americans does not exist. How are we supposed to make it? I mean, what what could, what policies could change the life options for Americans? Or maybe what well, I mean, changes could occur? A lot of countries have decided to have a functioning public transportation system and some form of public health care. And if the big things that are devastating a lot of delicate balance sheets in the U.S. families. We kind of know there are three big ones, by the way, which is a divorce, a medical emergency, or a vehicle cost, right? Let's leave aside the divorce because that's probably a little bit harder to legislate, although lots of evidence suggests that financial stress is a major cause of divorce, by the way. So there's probably a relationship there, too. But we know that having better public transit options makes you less dependent on a vehicle that you might not be able to afford or less able to maneuver around issues with the reliability of your car or breakdown. And if you have public medical provision like every other developed country on earth, then, you know, it isn't a rolling the dice with your financial future every time you go to the doctor. Last but not least, we know that because of the cost of going to the doctor for a lot of Americans or fears around those costs, People don't go, and they don't get the cheaper, easier preventative medicine, and they end up presenting in emergency rooms when they're much sicker than they you know, had to be 
such as it is, right? And that also ups the cost, obviously, to them as people, not to be callous to that, but it also ups the medical cost of what ends up being the medical care that they need, and it may also reduce the effectiveness of that, right? These are the arguments, by the way. These, in my opinion, are the real arguments for state health care, for public transit, and for paid sick leave. Because it reduces the fragility and increases the dynamism and the growth of the economy overall. Most of the countries that have invested in these things haven't invested in them out of a basis of charity. They do it for function because they make the societies more functional to reduce drug addiction, violent crime, bankruptcy, and social unrest. Not because they're great people, although they might be, but because those things are not consistent with economic growth. Do you, is, I mean, does that not edge us towards socialism, or are we just playing games? Because it seems that the corporations are controlling the conversation. Americans are not getting what we need, let alone what we want. We're, just, we're not getting what we need. My question for you is, how do we get what we need? What changes need to happen? I mean, you just told us. You know, basically, we need to, we need to have access. We need to have a common good. And that's what I'm hearing you say. I mean, public transportation ought to be open to everybody, available to everybody. Healthcare ought to be open and available to everybody. Is that what I'm hearing you say? I think we have a feedback loop. So yes, I do believe that. But I think we have a feedback loop here uh, in the country, right? So in other words, we just got the rankings of democracies around the world from The Economist, which is a center-right business publication out of the United Kingdom owned by Pearson, same people who do the Financial Times. Um, Good publication. I'm not a subscriber, so I'm not bashing them, but it's center-right pro-business. We came in, we, the U.S., came in 30th, and we're not considered a fully functional democracy anymore. We haven't been since 2016. 30th, right? So we're not even in the league table for the top. Nobody in the top 20 is worried about us, right? We're jam-packed between Slovakia and Botswana. And no offense to either of those countries, but that may not be how Americans always think of themselves. People say, describe your country, and everyone says, right above Botswana, right? So not maybe where you want to be in the league table, and that has an effect because if your politics isn't accountable and you don't elect and cannot elect leaders, who will take seriously the needs of the majority of people, then you end up without much redress, without much ability to legislate the things that people need, right? But I think the debate has gotten a little bit off kilter in in some areas. I do think that basic medical care is important. I think when we see through all the haze and controversy, much of it fake, of COVID, I think COVID might have been a pretty bold case for universal health care. I mean, I think I believe that anyway, so I don't want to lie here and pretend I had some sort of epiphany or conversion in the middle of COVID. I thought that before COVID, as you know, but I think COVID made a pretty good case for this, right? Well, I also think, I the, yeah, I think the public transit story here is really a big deal. I think now we have another reason, which is pretty vital, which is if we want to continue to be living organisms on a planet with breathable air and drinkable water, Reducing the amount of carbon we produce has become a matter of human survival. And so there's another reason, not that we needed one, but there's another reason to do much more investment in public transit. We do see some some investment here, which is good, but it's probably very little, right? There was a nasty little joke, but I think kind of strangely uh, prescient, right, which is 
one of the commentators was talking about tensions between the United States and Russia, and basically the joke in the European Union was, if the Russians push too far, they're going to see why Americans can't afford public transit or national health care, i.e. they're going to see the American military machine in action. Right? And this became the dominant joke among European economists for several weeks. And yes, maybe economists have a bad, you know, poor taste in humor. Now your guests may have drawn their own conclusions about that from my Thursday appearances. But the, the reason it's funny is because it's, because it's true. It is true. It is true. We spend an inordinate amount of dollars, but we, we're the muscle men and women of the world. And we can't afford it. You know, building bridges, building bombs, you got to make a choice. And we're building bombs and not bridges, and we are paying the price for it. Dr. Max Wolf, everybody, it's always a joy having you. And before we go, I want to wish Joyce Anderson and Lorraine Dunkley Hay. I understand it's your birthday tomorrow, uh, Lorraine, but happy birthday, everybody. Give them some love. Give them some love. Happy Joyce birthday. is celebrating her birthday. She's like me. She's celebrating all month. All month. I'm not mad at you, Joyce. Love it and love you. Happy birthday, lady. My morning stars. I love you. God bless you, everybody. And that's why right. D-Ray sending you much love today. Dr. Wolf, along with everybody else here. I love you, everybody. Can't wait to be with you tomorrow on the Santita Jackson Show. Board operator, thank you for a great show. God bless you. See you tomorrow.